0: Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. Whether you're in service today in person, or whether you're joining us online, or whether you're part of our internet campus that spreads across the country and around the world, Uh, people are joining us for our Sunday worship experience. Thank you for your generosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you that we don't have to sell chicken, chicken dinners uh, or, or coerce you in any way. We appreciate your maturity in giving, understanding that, you know, this ministry is active, it's involved, you see the results of your giving, and we appreciate that level of maturity. Uh, COVID allowed us to actually no longer pass the baskets. I know that hurt many of you. Um, But I've been wanting to eliminate that for 10 years and just have people give, give online, you know, uh, all that. If you want to give out in the lobby, there are receptacles there for it. But it, it just shows the level of maturity that you're at as a congregation. So thank you, thank you. Give yourselves a round of applause, praise the Lord. And I'm, I'm gonna reiterate this last,
1: yesterday we had a staff our meeting and I, I, I told pastor publicly, which you know, I think we should be acknowledged today. Thank you for being the, 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 the person, the leader, the visionary that has allowed people to trust and, 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 and know, you know you're gonna do right with what's been given. Yeah. You know, Cause you're, you're a big on uh, uh, stewardship and making sure that things are done. We you, you go, you go to the bathroom, the sink works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, churches have a reputation. Yes. Uh, I, I, yeah, let me respond to that. It's like, same, thank you. Thank you for the affirmation. Uh, and people see what we do as Christian cultural centers not because we have tons and tons of money. It's because we manage what we have well. Yep. We've learned to do that and get things done. If we don't have it, we don't do it we're careful uh, in how we manage things, so thank you for your trust. Absolutely, that plays a big role. I know many ministries that are in financial crisis across the country and uh, in other parts of the world, so uh, thank you for your trust. Ah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
1: And as we say all these thank yous, i want to thank, we, we want to thank the staff. Uh, we had a great time yesterday. We got some pictures that we want to show up for the staff members. We were hanging out. Um, and we had our last ALM and we were hanging out. Yes, they were. we, we um, turned the lobby into a place for festivities and um, the Cha-Cha slide was out there. Uh, How low can you go? <laughs> 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 but it was just a time of fellowship. Uh, we met with Dr. Nard and Dr. Nard just vision-casted, uh, shared what we're gonna be doing next year. Uh, if you're not on staff, we're not gonna repeat it today because you should have been on staff. And you know you you know what's going on, what's happening. And uh, personally, you know, within the personal aspect of the ministry, and you know, next year you'll get it probably New Year's Eve or something.
0: See, w- when you're on staff, you're in the know. Yes, you get access to the secrets. <laughs> when you're on staff, <laughs> what secret? The staff. Wait a minute, this was good here. I, I had them going. Um, <laughs> It, being on staff is more than getting in the building first and getting a parking spot. That's not what it's about. It's not about privilege. It's about how you can serve. And it is true. Um, at our ALM, which is an advanced leadership meeting, you know, we sit and we have a conversation. And we go into the Word on a deeper level, talk about culture, talk about our relationship to society, all of those things. And it's an incredible time of revelation and, 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 and just fellowship uh, as servants of the Lord. So I encourage you, you need to get on staff. Yes. Uh, know your gift. Know your gift. Uh, I shared a word yesterday about the table, what it means to be seated at the table. Uh, I'm not going to tell you because you're not on staff. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, was, it was a word. I, I actually, after the staff meeting was over, I stopped just to take notes on what I said. See, I don't always know what I'm going to say, but you know, the Holy Spirit is at work. So I took notes and got that down. What and, else? Well, if, if you want to
1: volunteer, on a serious note, if you want to volunteer, we're not looking for, you know, you to be here like back in the days, every day, all day. You know, um, if you can give us quality time for a specific, consistent time throughout the year, we're open to that. You know, yeah. if you want to say, I can, only, I can give you one, uh, one Sunday a month, we'll take that for now. Um, especially the younger individuals. you, you I got to start giving back. The millennials. Yeah, come on, millennials. We need to start seeing some young faces. I know they're in the building. I just don't see them serving. Ooh. And it will be good to see some of the young faces. Uh, because we, we talk, the younger the young face, they say the older generation needs the young generation because there's a certain level of energy that's created amongst the, the collaborative conversation and efforts that happens from the young and the old. And it's, it's needed. So we we have to show both. And especially for the posterity of the ministry to show that there's younger individuals and we're not growing old.
0: Why'd you look at me when you said that? Pray for my son. But even this model here that began as a result of COVID, we continued uh, and, you know, intermittently because he's ministering, I'm traveling, and I'm ministering also. But we want to show the connection of generations it is so important that we understand that the church should be multi-generational, right? And intergenerational in terms of its growth and experience. So, amen. What else, amen. what else? Well,
1: let's get, let's get into it. We got 1115 people waiting say, okay, this is not church, but this is church. We got people online waiting to get in? No, <laughs> no we're, okay. we're waiting okay. for uh, the service to really
0: start. They think this is just housekeeping, but it's- so Hey, well, don't miss praise and worship. And worship. Oh no, we were packed. Don't come in. We're here for praise and worship. We miss praise and worship. They were here because the praise and worship prepares your heart. Yes. For the word, Mm -hmm. it cultivates the soil of your heart in preparation for the word to have easier access to you. Hallelujah. So, I've been receiving messages, whether it's text,
1: social media, uh, the different platforms. Are we going to talk about the Kyrie Irving, Kanye, and Hebrew Israelite stuff? So I said, we're, we'll talk about a little bit about it, uh, but we're not going to go in depth because it, it, it t- it's, that conversation is a long conversation, it's a multi-part conversation, but they wanted me to bring it up and say, Pastor, you know, because we haven't said anything uh, pertaining to it, you know, because anti-Semitism, what does that mean? What does that really look like? If you go back to the proper definition, the dictionary and stuff like that, uh, how can a okay, no, let me behave. Am I a Semite? They don't want you to behave. <laughs> am I, well, am, I mean, me as a black man, am
0: I a Semite? Yes. Listen, listen, l- l- you know, on, on my radio show, The Rev and the Rabbi <laughs> uh, comes on 8 o'clock uh, Sunday mornings at, at, uh, w- on WABC radio. But I asked a question um, to Rabbi Joseph Potasnik, who is my co-host on the show. And I asked him, I said, you know, uh, you know, tell me. Semites are, it's a it's really, historically, it's a language classification mm-hmm. that goes back to Mesopotamian, Phoenicians, the ancient civilizations. Well, in ancient days, sorry,
1: because that's how you, they really classified you as an individual. As your the, the, the,
0: the official classifications came during the period of imperialism between 1600, especially in the 1800s. But it's, it was a language mm-hmm. category. Um, it became racial when... You know, scientific racism was introduced and these social constructs of, of race uh, began to take place. And scientific racism basically is, is a, a, a violent distortion of physical anthropology. Mm-hmm. It, it takes the whole idea of who we are as human beings and classifies it in a way to enforce racial superiority. Mm-hmm. So yep. So it is a social construct. And that's very, very important that you that you understand these things uh, uh, as 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 such. So I asked him. I said, Rabbi, they need you to repeat that definition
1: one more time, all right? Because somebody over here got it, but I, just, I don't know if it made it all the way over here. <laughs> hey,
0: scientific racism, all right, which is what it is really, is is look for me. It, it is a it is a violent distortion of physical anthropology where physical features determine the level of dignity as a human being that you have. It, 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 it's designed to enforce racial superiority, mm-hmm. that one race is superior to the other based upon certain features, skin color, you know, facial features, lips, the whole deal. They got down into all of that stuff. And ergo, the standard which was created to talk about your your features,
1: and how you are as an individual yeah, yeah. in hierarchy, race, you know, uh, superiority, and everything else. And, and the
0: objective, of course, was to enforce the racial construct, to legitimize the enslavement of people of color. Um, because you cannot, you, you have to create a myth of racial superiority, a, wi- a myth of white superiority, and a myth of, of black inferiority. Uh, in order to to allow that it's almost trying to make it moral, mm-hmm. and you can't moralize that um, so so terms change over time because at one time Semitic had to do with the Semitic peoples, you know which included arabs are Semites as well as Jews Ethiopians you know um, but it, it it became anti-Semite, or Semitic, specifically to the Jews, because of the racism that was going on in Germany. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of, 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 of anti-Semitic, all right, came as a result of Jew-hating, to create a classification specific to the Jews. So that was separated out in the late 1800s because of what was going on, that became known as Nazi Germany, and you know, Hitler using race uh and classification of Jews as a race an inferior race right um and that's how this this stuff came about you've got to do your homework you've got to read you've got to research mm-hmm. all right otherwise you you buy into a narrative that was created with a political or social agenda mm-hmm. attached to that narrative so you, you've got to read, you've got to know what your sources are, make sure that those sources are correct uh, as you gain knowledge and information. It's like, the, are, we, are we into it now? Yes, Do you good. all want to hear this? That was about half of them. <laughs> um, I, I, it's important, really. It's important because you, you need to know how, from a Christian perspective, to respond. Yep. Because whether you realize it or not, Christianity is under attack. Yes. All right? There are alternative religious systems that are going after the legitimacy of Christianity and using it within the conversation of race. Uh, as to why black people should reject Christianity, because it's a religion of the oppressor. And the aggression is going to increase. Yeah, we're going to see more eruptions and manifestations. Things are going to get worse before it gets better. And that's why, remember, the answer is always the, the church. Yes. So if Satan can attack and undermine the voice, the prophetic voice, the moral voice, the humanitarian and redemptive voice of the church, then he can wreak havoc in society. Mm-hmm. And evil traffics in deceit yep. and chaos. Uh, that's what evil traffics in. So, so it's, it's important that we clarify these things um, because it's, it's also an attack on the church. So, so it became specific to Jews with regard to what was happening in, 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 in Germany. Um, and let me say that the, the idea of Jews controlling everything... There is no doubt that a people who have experienced thousands of years of oppression and and lived under the threat of genocide for thousands of years, all right, will respond to that by trying to position themselves in places of power and influence with whatever society they are a minority in, because that's the only way they're going to survive. It's exactly... Someone said told me, he said, well, you know, what's our what's relationship with the Jews? I want to find out what they did so I can do it. Mm-hmm. So, listen, you don't get mad <laughs> at people. You missed that. Miss that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get mad at people mm-hmm. for doing something, all right, to protect themselves against genocide when you are also a minority mm-hmm. that needs to protect yourself from genocide. So we should be doing more than playing basketball and football we, and, and we have lawyers and doctors and professors and all that. We don't celebrate them the way we the way we should. How many understand what I'm talking about? But it is true statistically that a, a significant portion of the Nobel Prize winners in America are Jewish, a significant, that a significant number of lawyers in America are Jewish. You, you can go on and look at the stats, but this is how people position themselves within a society when they are a minority in that society, to push back against the dominant forces that would look to marginalize them, discriminate against them, and disenfranchise them. So before you become critical of that, understand why. So when someone throws statistics about black people and how many black men are in prison, I'm gonna stop them and say, well, tell me why. Don't just throw a stat at me, tell me why. Why many black and Latino men are in prison. Why is that? All right, don't, don't just throw that at me. When you talk about you know the black family and whatnot, let's stop and talk about why. Because otherwise, They'll they'll throw stuff at you rapid fire and they sound smart. Yep. Just slow them down mm-hmm. with a question. That's how God does it. Did you eat? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So so but but where that comes from, it, it comes from uh, gosh, it it is there's a there's a there's a fraudulent document that was circulated in the early 1900s, um, here in the United States and, and, and in, in Europe uh, a, as well. And I'm trying to remember the, the name of it. Gosh, I've got so much stuff in my head. <laughs> um, trying to remember the name of it. But, but um, it was a document that was fraudulent and it was used to, to spread to to really stir anti-Semitism. It's called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, also called The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. And it was a fraudulent document that that served as a pretext and rationale for anti-Semitism by saying that the Jews have this plot, uh, that the Jews got together with the Freemasons (laughs) uh, at a meeting in 1897 in Switzerland to, to basically plot how they're going to take over the world all right, um, it, was, it was, you know, boiled down to a fraud. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff that happens, like the fraudulent document and books that were written in the early 1900s in America that, that crafted a, a profile of black people, all right, as ignorant and stupid and can't learn and why they should be relegated to slavery and a lower position and status in society. So you have to check what's circulating this stuff, but it goes to show you the power of words. Yeah, because at the heart of
1: what Kanye said he was saying is that, you know, the, the reality is if something said pertains to a people group, action will
0: be taken to shut you down. Right. Right? Right. Is there some validity in that? Well, we should be shutting people down when they talk about black folks and Latino <laughs> folks and they say something wrong. We should be shutting people down. You understand what I'm saying? Don't get mad because somebody else is doing a better job than you. <laughs> <laughs> you should engage in that same thing and this is why NAACP and CORE and all these other organizations began to emerge, to, to, to be to that defense. Uh, I think it's, it, we have to be careful because we can get, become very comfortable because changes have taken place. Mm-hmm. But changes have not taken place to the degree that it has eradicated this sickness that is part of Americans' history. All right, so you, you have to understand that. And part of that is because some
1: of the, uh, the, the things that were helping bring change was co-opted by other organizations coming from behind and taking um, advantage
0: of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, other people and other special interest groups have benefited more from the civil rights movement than yep. black people. Mm-hmm. That's a reality in America. And we're not going to get into those statistics or, or that because this is not a comprehensive discussion. I'm just responding. So when and Kyrie Irving sent... You know, how many know who Kyrie Irving is? Some of y'all Christians don't follow basketball like that, do you? From the next, yeah. So, so when he posted a link to a movie that reinforced different uh, certain ideas, you know, and when Kanye made references as, as well, um, and that, these are alter- alternative American religions. Because they were all birthed here in America. All right. So when we're talking about the black he- Israelites, the Hebrew Israelites, you can yep. call them, um, Jehovah's Witness, uh, Mormonism, um, Seventh-day Adventism, I mean, I can go on and on and on of religions that started here that hooked themselves but don't necessarily have the kind of history that mainstream uh, Christianity and Islam and, 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 Judaism have. All right. So these are, there are, these are American constructs, folks. American cre- religious constructs here. It's like the Nation of Islam, which, which I came out of when I got saved. All right. That was a construct to respond to the failure of the white Christian church in America to address the socioeconomic economic plight of blacks in this country. Mm-hmm. So they were originally, it was called the Lost Found Nation of Islam. And it sought to elevate black people above the, stereo, the stereotypes and the, the, the myth of black inferiority. It's a good book that you want to read. Errol Parker and I were talking about this. It's called the Destruction, the Destruction of Black Civilization by Dr. Chancellor Williams. You know, it's a classic work that talks about the transatlantic slave trade, which is what the Hebrew Israelites point to. But with them, it's a serious uh, hermeneutical problem. Mm -hmm. And hermeneutics has to do with the laws of interpretation. When you take scripture or anything that you're going to interpret, there's a certain framework that you use to make sure that your interpretations are valid. Otherwise, you can ascribe anything to anything. Mm -hmm. How many understand what I'm talking about? So when you read the Bible, you just can't pick and choose verses, put them together and make it say what you want. You know, if you want to do that, I'll give you two verses. Jesus said... Um, no, the Bible says, and 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 Judas went and hung himself. Another place, Jesus said, "Go thou and do likewise." <laughs> we can put stuff together. We can put stuff together. We can do that. There has to be laws. So, with the Hebrew Israelites, they put a lot of weight on a text found in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight, verse sixty-eight, where it talks about Israel going into slavery. And being brought over to Egypt by ships, mm-hmm. right? And of course, they relate that to the transatlantic slave trade. The problem, and they use Egypt as a metaphor um, for America. The problem is that the rest of the chapter uses the word Egypt literally. Yep. So you cannot have a consistent literal expression of a nation, and then all of a sudden decide you're going to extract the last verse and make it a metaphor.
1: See, but a, a part of that is there hermeneutical uh, doctrine comes out of Isaiah uh, when it says line upon line, precept upon precept. And if you notice, if you ever come, have a conversation with them, they will go jumping from text to text. You know, what does it say in James chapter 1, verse 3? And then you read that, and they said, now go to, to, to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, you know, and, and they'll read that, and then they keep jumping all over, and they're trying to confuse individuals, but pulling from the Bible uh, certain things that speaks To the different texts, but doesn't necessarily correspond correctly. They're not supporting it correctly. And I think that, you know, if, if you allow the, what we call let, let the text breathe. Well, I like that. Right? Let the text breathe, right? (laughs) You know, most texts should be able to have some type of substance that can stand on its own and then add supporting corresponding verses that go along with it. But if you let the text breathe, unlike some of the Hebrew Israelites, they don't allow it to breathe, uh, you you find a flawed system of hermeneutics. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and it has to be consistent, all right? You can't just pull something from here. And those of you that have been in spiritual warfare class, how many of my spiritual warfare students here? Mm -hmm. You remember Patak Slip, right? All right, I gave you a framework, a basic framework, all right, for biblical interpretation. And among them was context. You've got to know the context. You can't just pull something out of context and use it the way you want. Uh, Also, supportive text, also consistency. You know, it's got to be supported throughout the scripture. So that's very, very important. So there's a lot of this that comes into play with all this kind of stuff that is influencing. And and look, it influences high-profile people because high-profile people have influence,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And that's why, regardless of what you think, I remember the the whole issue with um oh man, I remember the basketball player. Ah, anyway, one particular basketball player who was told that you know well well you're 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 a model, right? People are following you, they're watching you. He said, No, I'm not a model. I don't want them following me. Dennis Rodman. Who? No, not Rodman, not Rodman. Oh, we all think we're... I think his name was Barkley or something Oh, Charles like Barkley. Yeah, I think that was it. I'm trying to remember, you know. And, and now he's singing a different tune because he understood. No, whether you like it or not. It, we were talking yesterday about pastors who are leaving the ministry because they don't want the call to holiness required upon a shepherd. Because shepherds are held to a higher standard and the people in the flock, they hold the shepherd accountable. So if you're going to be a shepherd, you're held to a higher standard of holiness, which means your life has to be even more circumspect. But you can claim to identify with Jesus, speak on Jesus' behalf out there without any boundaries. How many of know what I'm talking about? So pastors are leaving the, the pastorship because they don't want those boundaries. In other words, they want to live however they want and not be held accountable. Now, not all of them. I'm just saying, but this is a pattern that we are we're seeing. Praise the Lord. So, did we take care of the housekeeping? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. And there's, there's a whole lot of other stuff about the Hebrew Israelites that um, you just, if you really break it down, you'll find. Because the, the reason why I'm so passionate, I saw a young man who used to be in the C3 youth ministry. He posted something with him and all the Hebrew Israelites. And um, I'm like, it, it hurt me to see that he left the Christian faith to follow the Hebrew Israelites. And my, my question is the, the same thing with the Jehovah's Witness. You know, there's a certain number of people that can get to heaven. Why should I try you? If, if I'm guaranteed over here, you over here talking about this. How do how you, how you know it's not filled up yet?
0: Well, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I dealt with early morning conversations. <laughs> I used to have these Saturday morning conversations, conversations. Six o'clock, they'd come ring the bell, and they'd have the, the magazine to give me. And I, that's the first question I ask. How many are going to heaven? 144,000. Are you going? I don't know. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> you. You can't the, guarantee me. No. Why am I going to even spend time working like this for something that I don't i don't know?
1: And they and, and, and bring that up because a part of their argument is that they're the descendants of Shem. Right, uh, which is always a black man. But my thing is, and they, they say that if you, if your father is black, you're considered black. Therefore, it leads you back to the Hebrew Israelites, right? But there's a flaw in that 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 idea because if that's the case, and if, if Shem is black, that means Noah was black, and if Noah is black, Ham and Japheth is black, so everybody's black. And so how do I, how do I track who I'm connected to as a black man? So you know, so there's so many different things that you know we deal with. With that, but please believe in me, we're going to have more responses to help you articulate your, because the the Hebrew Israelites is the largest black organization in America. To the point where they've caught themselves, they, they got a chapter over in Israel black now. religious organization? Yeah, black mean? religious organization. Hebrew Israelites are the largest. So we really got to equip our younger individuals. So, Like I said, I saw the picture, him posted up, and they're doing all this stuff with their, their purple on and, and everything. And I'm like, man, where did we fail as a ministry to prepare and set up our people to have the conversations? And they're very hostile. And it's funny because they talk about following the laws, love your brother, right? Uh, uh Love your neighbor, But yet, they out there cursing you out and yelling at you and stuff like that. I'm like, where's the love? Like, let's have this, 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 you know, mature discourse and the conversation. They cursing out. Don't let a Jew pass by. They, they really going in and cursing them. I'm like, man, this is a shame. But yet, we're losing some of our young men to this because of the, what, what is the church doing to respond and show ourselves as strong black men willing to stand for something with a conviction that stands, you know, with the Bible? So that's, that's why I'm, I'm, Really passionate, because the way they turned up and pulled up to Barclays, I'm like, we need some Christians being able to pull up like that, you know? These young men are seeing it, and they pulled up to Barclays, like, like you know, we're ready about to, about to do something. We're here to protect and honor. And I'm like, where? when is the Christian going to come up and stand for each other? When is the Christian going to pull up and say, look, whatever it takes, let's get this going?
0: You know, I, I know, I know. Are you advocating Christian violence? I mean... <laughs> My mother taught me. Oh, boy. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Cuidado.
1: (laughs) No, but this is a good. Mommy said, don't go around Uh, hitting people. She said, boy, but don't stay hit.
0: Please pray for Pastor Karen, my lovely wife. Um, she has certain uh variations in her theology,
1: yeah, but it, it looks like the church is staying hit I think it might be you know time to, to to make a statement at least a statement give me a statement church come on church, give me a statement something
0: oh, well you got some fans here they're clapping and carrying on and some are going to into intercessory prayer. I don't know. <laughs> You know, because the
1: question is, what is the image that the church is presenting to this younger generation? If there are young men looking for alternatives outside the gangs, but yet some type of
0: family-oriented system, if we don't respond... Yeah, see, well, that's why he gave the church. The church is a community. Yes. Shared values, mm-hmm. beginning with Jesus Christ. Uh, shared visions and, and, and dreams. We don't grow in isolation. We grow in what? Come on. Community. We grow in community. And so it makes sense that that Satan would attack Mm -hmm. and undermine uh, in any way that he can and try to steal the power of the only uh, entity that Jesus declared will live from generation to generation Mm -hmm. and not fall to evil. Remember, the gates of hell. Come on. You read the book? Will not prevail. I will build my, come on, church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Remember, weapons will be formed, but they won't prosper. Mm -hmm. Weapons will be formed, but they won't Mm -hmm. prosper. And that's the critical thing. Which brings us to... You know, what what we see and sense God doing here at CCC, and not only that, but in, not only with us, but in in the body of Christ. Um, Write this down. Expectation sets the atmosphere for change. Expectation sets the atmosphere for change. Expectation sets the atmosphere for change. Again, expectation sets the atmosphere for miracles. Expectation sets the atmosphere for miracles. So you can take a look at it in Acts um, chapter 3 where there is uh, a crippled man who was crippled from birth, mm-hmm. and he was a beggar, and he would beg outside the temple, so everybody knew. The community knew who this man was. They knew that he was born this way. And Peter and, and, and John come up to him, and he looks at them, right? He fixes his eyes on them, and he begs from them, right? The beautiful thing about the passage, we don't have time to, go to look at it, but it says, he looked at them expecting to receive something. How many read that text? Yes. That miracle. And of course, Peter responds, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. The man was healed. He started leaping. Everybody was rejoicing. The people who knew who this man was, they're blown away from the power, by the power of God. But the, 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 that little nugget is very important. He looked at them expecting to receive something. So what God does, and last week I talked about hunger and being hungry. And if you didn't get that message, you need to get that message. All right. What, what does God do in preparation for revival? He creates a hunger. Yep. He stirs the expectations of the people because expectation sets the atmosphere for change and for the miraculous. Mm-hmm. God is stirring the expectations of our heart so that he can respond with something new, something fresh, and take us to the new level of ministry, et cetera. And I believe it's happening across the country and around the world as I speak to, to pastors. But what it's going to require, because we've moved from church's entertainment back to what it should be, and that is connecting people with God, discipling them, getting them what? Rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded, and I point to this text because Pastor Jamal yesterday he asked me, he said, "Dad, what's the difference between rooted and grounded?" You know, and Ephesians three seventeen in the King James translation it says that we are to be rooted and grounded in love. In fact, let's throw that text up there.
1: And the reason why I asked is because the King James version nowadays they use those words interchangeably. But I think those words have different meanings.
0: In the King James translation, it beautifully, because it's two different Greek words that that are expressed there. And we'll get into the language, but let's look at what rooted means. All right? It, It means to establish deeply and firmly. That's what rooted. When you're rooted in something, it means you're established in it. The roots go what? Deep and they're firm in terms of their connection to the soil, to the context that they're in. Got it? So, when you think about something being rooted, mm-hmm. you're, talk, you're thinking about it being what? Deep and firm. Deep and firm. All right? And when you're thinking about, about, about grounded, grounded means well-balanced and sensible. And I'm talking about anointed common sense, the wisdom of God. Balance is the key when you think about being grounded. And in a, in a world and a culture and a nation at a time where the extremes have exercised such great influence on our society, we need people who are rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. And how many know the difference when you talk to someone who's rooted and grounded and someone who's not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. People who are not rooted and grounded, they're all over the place. They don't have any anchors. They're all over the place. So their response to circumstances and situations are sporadic and random. There's no consistency. There's nothing thought through carefully. And it tends to be knee-jerk reaction all the time. But notice Verse seventeen. Let me let me go to it. Ephesians three seventeen. Uh, in King James, right? Let me catch up three. Seventeen, and King James version. Come on, cooperate. Here we go. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by what faith that, I haven't seen a ye in a long time. (laughs) I'm sure Kanye saw this. Anyway, (laughs) that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith (laughs) that you being what? Rooted Rooted and grounded Uh in Uh love. Yeah, love is to be the motivating factor. Love for God and love for neighbor. That's what it all boils down to, Jesus said, right? And love is the desire to benefit the one love at the expense of self. So you're acting
1: selflessly
0: instead of selfishly because all of the the tensions within society is because of the selfishness that goes on in the human heart and and expresses itself out in societal relationships. Rooted and grounded in love. Love is that powerful. All right, so when we're rooted and gro- grounded in God's love, we see life differently. And let me tell you something. Love will ask the hard questions. Love will challenge you. Don't think love as some sloppy agape, I think they, they call it, <laughs> that it's easy what? and push over. No, love will take a bit position, Whoa. right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if you don't believe in him, you... There are two sides to that. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So very, very important. So we have to become rooted and grounded, not only in love, but there's another passage that talks about being firmly planted in truth. So let's talk about, can we move on to to God at work? Yes. Okay. We We want to definitely do God at work. Can I find... God at work. All right. So, shared with you that God the Father sets the timetable for all events, worldwide, national, and personal. Did you hear that? Write this down, 1 John 3, 8. The devil is at work, right? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So we know the devil is at work. When I was in a Pentecostal church, I thought the only thing that God did in the world was save souls. That's where my, my head was. I had to learn and grow, until I realized that God is much bigger than that. So God is at work redemptively, right? Uh, and towards the restoration of the conditions of Eden. But I shared with you that God is at work in the world in four ways. Write it down. Creatively providentially redemptively and judicially god is at work in the world god at work he's at work he's at work on a societal level and on a personal level how many of you believe that god is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Am I quoting scripture? You better believe I'm in the book of Philippians. God is at work in you. He's transforming you. He's conforming you to the image of Christ. He's releasing his power through you. You become his agent, his ambassador. You become his eyes, his ears, come on, his heart, his hand to touch, his feet to walk into certain context to bring change. So God is at work in the world. He's at work creatively. He's at work providentially. He's at work redemptively. And he's at work judicially. And that simply means he's judging. He's judging nations. And that's important. He's judging nations. And throughout Old Testament history, God has judged nations. People think that, you know, he's, not, he's still, how many know he's still judging nations? Absolutely. Throughout biblical history, the book of Daniel talks about God's judgment of four major empires. How many read that? Book of Daniel. Talked about the Babylonian Empire, right? The, the, the Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, and that a new kingdom would emerge. So the rise and fall of empires are being judged by God. God judge Ezekiel chapter 25 to 32. All those chapters, God judges the Egyptians, the Canaanites, the Midianites, the Philistines, so God is at work judging the nations, and what is he judging them for? I'm glad you asked. I'm not going to tell you today, but because <laughs> I want to go to create creatively, all right, creativity, creatively, right? God is at work creatively. And what does it mean? To bring things, in, things into existence, to bring things into existence. That includes visions and dreams. Book of Acts, chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What did he say? All right. Your young men and your old men, right? Daughters are going to prophesy. They're going to what? The young men and old men. They're going to dream dreams. They're going to have visions. What is a dream? What is a a vision? It is a belief in the possibility. It is imagining the possibility of what could be, what can happen to transform human society. That was what the church was about. The church will become an agent of transformation, and we ambassadors. So part of God's creative work is giving people visions and dreams, giving ideas. How many know CCC was an idea in the mind of God? The seed was planted 44 years ago, and here we are, 44 years later. Other types of ministry and organizations and institutions and entities and movements that bring about justice and deal with oppression and marginalization and all that. You've got to understand, that is the work of God. He creates, He creatively brings things into existence. Visions, dreams, ideas, nations, societies, organizations, institutions, inventions, Information, medical, industrial, and technological breakthroughs, revealing how to use the resources of the earth for human flourishing. God is at work with all of that stuff. How many believe that? See, God's got to be bigger than just your Sunday worship service, where you come in and say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, brother, praise the Lord, sister. It's bigger than that. And if you, and, and if you don't see God bigger than that, you'll never see him as able to deal with your little circumstance or situation. Don't make God small. We serve a big God. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Neighbor, neighbor. We, serve we serve a big God." Ephesians one twenty one. Ephesians one twenty one. Let, let, let's 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 look at it. He's at work. He's giving ideas. He's giving creativity. How many believe that? How many believe that that the Spirit of God is the creative genius inside of you? Listen, if he knew we could do it on our own, he wouldn't have given his word and his spirit. But he sent his word to take up residence inside of us. He unzipped us, put his word and his spirit in there and zipped us back up. And then sent us out into the world to make a difference, to bring his love, his life, his light and his creativity. We're engaged here. We're going to have shovels in the ground for a $1.2 billion development project with the church as the anchor of that community. Come on, folks. Are you thinking with me? You got to see yourself. You got to see yourself. You got to see yourself not as some little poor person broken down that God is having pity on. Turn your neighbor and say, He's preaching about somebody you know. <laughs> 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 Ephesians, I'm going to go through this in the New Living Translation, and we're going to close with this. NLT, New Living Translation. Let me get there. Ephesians 1 20. Start there. Ooh, no. Gotta start at verse 19. Paul's praying. I also pray that you will understand. Isn't that something Paul has to pray for them to understand? That you will understand the incredible weakness of God's power. I can't hear you, church. Come on, Christian. Any believers in here? A man came up to Jesus and said to Jesus, he said, If if you want, you could heal me. Jesus responded to him by saying, do you believe that? Do you believe this? I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. Who believe in him? Are you hearing me, Christians? I also pray, me, never mind Paul, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. So we're talking about resurrection power. And you can't just look at that in the physical, you know, and run and lay hand on a coffin to raise somebody from the dead. No, there's a lot of different manifestations of death. It could be financial death, relational death. Come on. Things that you want to throw away simply need to be resurrected. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor where, come on, at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader Or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Never mind the world to come. Did you hear that first part? He is far above, come on church, any ruler, authority, or power, or leader in this world. Right here, right now. Some of you are waiting for Jesus to come back in order to get powerful. Right here, right now. So when I'm sitting with institutions and leaders and those in power, I'm conscious that whether they realize it or not, accept it or not, believe it or not, doesn't matter. They answer to a higher authority. I don't care if it's politics, business, I don't care what it is. I'm conscious at that table. I'm sitting at that table. Saying to myself, Jesus, what you gonna do here? What are you gonna approve here? What are you gonna pass here? What are you gonna stamp here? What are you gonna validate here? What are you gonna push through here? Cause I know who has final say so. The word has final word. Oh, come on, saints! He has final authority. So when people agree with their narrative, I compare it to the narrative of Jesus expressed in his word. And if it doesn't match up, it's rejected. I'm sorry, I got excited like you. Jesus' power and authority, look at the text. Transcends all rival powers whether human or spiritual in this age and in the age to come folks there is no situation we will ever encounter that is not ruled by Christ I'm going to try that one more time there is no situation for the believer come on We will ever encounter that is not ruled by Christ. Our lives are not out of control. Jesus is on the throne and he's in full control of what's happening. When I feel it's out of control, he's still in control. And he administers his rule for our benefit and his glory. So we're going to benefit out of the process if we stick to it in faith. And he is going to receive glory out of the process if we stick to it in faith. We got to stop here. Come on, we need to wake up. You talk about gathering and black Israelites. Come on, we need to wake up. Realize who we are. Because all of these movements are about Identity. And there is no greater, no more powerful identity than the one that we have in Christ. It transcends race and culture, ethnicity, class, education, economics. Because Christ can take you when you're the tail and make you the head. When you're beneath and put you above. He's in control. What are we going to do with this? Come on, what are we going to do with this? He wants to fight? Come on, let me give you the weapons of our warfare. I'm going to fight with you. Ah. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. You've got to know that you know, that you know, that you know who is in charge. We've got a minister to come. And Minister Misha is going to pray. He's going to skip the recap and pray. Come on, minister. We need some <laughs> prayer power. That's what we need. Pray from his heart. Pray God's anointing in preparation for God's revival and renewal. Hallelujah. We are ambassadors. You're an ambassador in every field, in every sphere of influence, no matter where he's planted you you're an ambassador whether it's education or or, or or government no matter what it is you're an ambassador come on anoint us in prayer
2: hallelujah we bless your name oh god let us bow our hearts as we go to god in prayer father we thank you we thank you lord for inspiration we thank you lord that you have given us the breath of life we thank you, Lord, that you give us the word of truth. We thank you, Lord, that you have walked us through experiences over and over again. And you have led us through the valley of the shadow of death. You have protected us from dangers yeah. seen and unseen. We've seen it throughout our lives. We've seen it acutely in these in these last two and a half years. But we thank you, Father. We thank you because we may go through experiences. We may go through moments. We may find ourselves with moments of fear. But you have not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we thank you, Lord, for this season, oh God, this place, oh God, of preparation. Lord, we thank you that inspiration leads to preparation. And yeah. we thank you, Father, that we come into this place to receive word. We come into this place to receive truth. We come into this place to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, Father, let us never miss the fact that if we are being prepared, if we are being fed, if we are being filled over and over and over again, that you are filling us for something, that you are preparing us for something. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you today for an anointing, a fresh anointing, O God, upon your people, O God, to rise up in boldness to do the work that you have called us to do. Father, we thank you, Lord, for new understanding, for, for new confidence to speak to those people you're telling us to speak to. We thank you, Lord, for new confidence, Lord, to address the lies that, that want to whisper in our ears. And we thank you, Lord, for new conviction, oh God, the courage of conviction to do what you are calling us to do. There are people who are dying because they don't have something that we came to take for granted every Sunday Every Tuesday, we can tune in in the mornings. We can, we can watch videos all day long. And some of us have to repent in this moment because we've been guilty of, of filling ourselves and entertaining ourselves and encouraging ourselves in you. And all of this was necessary. Then we didn't do anything with it. And there are people all around us who need this thing that we, that we have come to cherish, but that we can so easily take for granted. So Father, today, oh God, I just pray for your people who are called by your name that we would humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, whether our wicked ways are are the marquee sins that earlier generations were always worried about us falling into or that they are the more subtle sins, the more subtle dysfunctions that we've come to think of as okay. May good never be the enemy of best in our lives. So we thank you, Lord, in this place. Lord, and and we just take this moment. We just take this moment, oh God, if there is anyone in here who doesn't know you, if there is anyone in here who knew you, knows you but walked away and is alienated from you, alienated from your people, if there's someone in here who's feeling that call to want to rise up to become that unapologetic ambassador for you and they need understanding, they need training, if there's anyone who's feeling the call to go out into a new work to represent you, as dynamically present and communicate you at Christ in culture, we just want to pray for them today. So if any of those are you in this place today, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You got a word today, family. And God's word will never return to him void. We just want to come right. into agreement with this word planted in your life, with this word planted in your heart, because it will be good seed and good ground. We want to pray for someone today who may have come in here not recognizing or may have come in here with a, with a generational burden that somebody told you you weren't good ground whether it was a relative, whether it was someone close to you, whether it was someone on the TV, whether it was someone, some force in society told you that you weren't worth it. But God came along today and God brought his messengers along today for such a time as this to show you your worth, to remind you, even in seed form of who you are. All right, I don't see any hands, so I'm just going to pray, conclude this prayer. Thank you, Lord. We bless We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for a word in season. We thank you, Father, for a people in step. We thank you, Father, for the power of agreement. We thank you, Father, that you will be with us, oh God, in this moment and in the moments to come, in this day and in the seasons to come. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you. May we grow in grace and may we grow in our ability to see you working. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Come on, let's give God a good hand. Clap off. Hallelujah. Expectation sets the atmosphere for change and for miracles. How many are expecting great things from God? Come on. Let 2023 be a year that excites expectation
1: you said it all as we leave this place whenever God's presence
0: Jesus is Lord period we believe it we proclaim it and we're seeing it come to pass God bless you we love you have a wonderful week in the Lord thanks for tuning in to the AR Bernard podcast I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation make sure subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing again thank you And God bless.